The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at overlandpark.cc. Good morning, church family. I am Shay Haddock. Uh, for those of you that don't know, associate pastor here on staff. Um, if you've been following us in our Philippians series, you've seen me. If this is your first time, uh, welcome. Uh, this is the last uh, uh teaching in the uh, book of Philippians. We're going to close out uh, this little mini-series here uh, this week. So, man, I'm going to be coming hot and heavy uh, at you guys. We, we got a lot of material to cover, um, but, man, it, it, this, this really section of Scripture kind of preaches itself. Um, I'm trusting the Lord uh, just will empty me and that the Spirit of God would deliver a message to you uh, through his word as we put our faith in him to do what he's faithful to do. So if this is your first time, welcome. If you're here on campus or online, uh, we are so glad that you've joined us. So last week, and just to jog the memory a little bit, uh, primary theme was Paul writing the letter to the Philippian church, right? Thanking them for their gifts and their service, right? Um, and, but he was uh, also reminding them uh, that he puts no confidence in the flesh, right? That was kind of the, the um, primary theme as we wrapped up last week. Paul said, man, if we can earn the favor of God by what we do, Man, then I, I was highly favored, right? If that was possible, uh, man, I was, you know, he said circumcised on the eighth day, a Hebrew of Hebrews, right? Top of the list, the ultimate Pharisee, a keeper of the law, uh, uh, in every way was, was blameless, right? But he says, uh, you know, he said, I counted all of that. Like when I came to know Jesus, once I realized that it actually wasn't my performance, um, that earned the favor of God, it was actually me placing my faith in the perfect son of God that brought God's favor on my life. He said it, it, it blew his mind, right? And so it, and it changed his life. Paul uh, had a Damascus Road experience, right? He was born again. And um, God, he was once blind, and then he could see, right? And of course, that's symbolic, but God literally blinded Paul's eyes, and then he literally gave him sight again, right? And that's what happens to us, right? We were, we're blind in our sin, we're blind in our trespasses, and when we encounter Jesus, man, we, the, the veil is torn, right? The scales are pulled off of our eyes, and we can see the truth. We can see what love is like, and it's found in Christ the son of the living God, right? And so Paul says, man, I have no confidence in the flesh. Everything that Paul did, in fact, I count as worthless, he said. And, um, and so we find our, it's, it's important to recap that because we find ourselves here, I'm gonna close out chapter three, starting in verse 12, and we'll carry all the way through the end of chapter four. So follow with me here. So picking up on the idea that Paul says, I have no confidence in the flesh, he says, not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Man, how encouraging is that? Paul says, he says, man, look, guys, he's like, I'm preaching on the idea that you, you need to put no confidence in your flesh. You need to quit thinking that you can please God, and you need to trust in the Lord Jesus with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and live for him all the days of your life, looking forward to the day that Jesus returns, and walk out in glory, right? That's what he's saying. But he, he's confessing here, guys, as much as that is true, 
I've not obtained all of this. He's like, I'm not all the way there. Like, he, he's, how comforting is that for us to know that the Apostle Paul even, I mean, one of the greatest spiritual men of all time uh, in, in, the, in the flesh, he says, guys, I'm not there. Like, you know, I'm not the perfect Christian is what he's saying. Like, it's so comforting uh, to me that, like, man, Sometimes I can put a lot of pressure on myself, like wanting to be the perfect Christian, like wanting to act a certain way or say certain things or love a certain way or be that super encourager to somebody that's hurting or pray all the prayers that God puts on my heart to pray over people and, and to read you know, all of the, the scriptures that God wants me to take in and, and, and abide with him in like perfect fashion every day of every week of every year. Like, and I can't do it, man. I can't do it. And it's like, but it's nice to know that the Apostle Paul says, guys, it, it's not about being perfect Christian. It's just about your, your heart and the pursuit of the Lord. Listen to his pursuit. He says, even though I've not attained this, like I've not arrived at my goal, the goal is to walk spotless and blameless before the Lord, completely filled with the Spirit, completely peeled off from the flesh, right? That is the goal. But he says, I'm not there yet, but I press on. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ, Christ Jesus took hold of me. And it's this idea of this like reciprocating relationship, right? That's how a relationship with God works. It's we are in relationship with the God person himself, Jesus Christ, right? The God man. And we are in relationship with our Savior, and it's reciprocal, right? Reciprocating. Like, so Jesus it says the Spirit, the Scripture teaches. Uh, this relationship that I'm describing by saying no man can come to the Father unless the Spirit himself draws him, right? So God reaches out and takes hold of us, right? But it also says that it, Jesus you know, also taught that if you seek me, you will find me, right? So it's this idea that you must seek God in order to find him, but you can't find God without him drawing you. Does that make sense? It's so it's, it's like, it's a reciprocating relationship. And that's what Paul's describing here. He says, I press on, man. He says, I, I keep going. Like, he says, I know that God is, is drawing near to me, and so I'm drawing near to him. And there's, it's a two-part relationship. And so, man, that's really important. Brothers and sisters, in verse 13, he says, I don't consider myself yet to taken hold of it. There again, he confesses, guys, I've not done this perfectly. He's saying, but I press on. But that is my thought process. That is my direction, right? My motivations are to do what God has asked me to do. And may, may that also be true for us. But here he says, but one thing that I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on Again, toward the, call, the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Guys, one of the most important things to do in order for us to press on or to move forward is to forget the past. And some of us, man, some of us are clinging to these broken parts of our past that are, that are uh, shaping a broken identity in us that are preventing us from, from shining the light of Christ and being the person that God wants us to be. It could be a, a broken marriage in the past. It could be a wayward child. It could be a lost loved one. It, there's so many things it could be. And all those things are very unfortunate. 
Like, it's not that we don't hurt for those people that have gone through um, trials and, and tribulations. It's just that Paul says, man, I've got, you, we have to forget what is behind us. Like, the devil is like, he, he is the master reminder. Like, he's always trying to remind you of the broken things that have happened. To trip you up from pressing on toward the upward call of God in your life in Christ Jesus. That's what he's doing. And so... It's okay to have a past. It's okay to actually let that shape you, but it must launch you forward in a pressing on of the upward call of God in your life. If it's pulling you down like a weight, the devil's winning. If it's like a trampoline into what God has in your life, then Christ is winning. And that's important to know how is your past shaping your heart condition and your attitudes towards the Lord right now? It's a good question to ask yourself. Verse 15, he says, all of us then who are mature, right? So Paul's saying, look, guys, we're accountable to this. Those who are mature in Christ. If you have sat in a church pew and listened to biblical teaching, if you've known the Lord for any period of time, if you've been filled with the Spirit, the gospel's been shared with you, you've received it, you've been born again, you're walking in newness of life, you are what Paul would define as mature, okay? He said, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of these things. And if on some point you think differently, so he says, if you think that God doesn't want you to mature in Christ, then listen up, that's what he says. That too, God will make clear to you. <laughs> He's like, God, God's gonna straighten you out, man. If you don't think that the Lord wants you to grow and mature in Christ, as a born-again believing follower of Christ Jesus, you got another thing coming when you talk to the Lord. <laughs> he can straighten you out. Only, he says, verse 16, let us live up to what we have already attained. Let us live up to it, man. Like, it's like discipleship. Like, if, like when I pour my life into a group of men, trusting in the spirit of the Lord to bless, you know, my leadership over them, knowing without a doubt that God has called them to be raised up for the purposes of the gospel so that they can go therefore and make disciples, right? When I've raised up a group of men, the expectation from the Lord, not to earn his favor, but to simply be obedient and do what he's asked us to do, is that they would live up to what they've already attained. Like they've attained knowledge, they, they, their eyes have been opened, the, the veil has been torn, right? They are without excuse that they are who God says that they are and they are now called and commissioned to go therefore and do exactly what God has commanded from the beginning of time that Christian followers should do. You gotta live up to what you have attained. Nothing more, nothing less, right? So you don't have to do more than what God has revealed to you, but you definitely shouldn't be doing less. And so ask yourself the question, am I living up to what I've already attained? But if you've been discipled and raised up and by the, Spirit, by the Spirit of the Lord's influence, he has sent you out to go and make disciples and you're not doing it. You're not living up to what you have already attained. That's very important to know. Join together, he says, the spirit of unity. Again, this, is, this book is all wrapped around in the unity of the church. Join together, guys, in following my example. Brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live like us or live as we do, right? So it's saying, man, he's, Paul is confessing. He's like, I am a broken sinner. I am not the perfect Christian, but I do, man. I press on towards the upward call of God in my life. I am pressing on to the heavenly things that Christ has set before me. And he says, 
Like, so as I'm modeling that, follow me. Like, do as I do. And that's exactly what we teach in discipleship here. It's like, follow me as I follow Christ. It's that simple. And um, it, it, these are simple teachings uh, of, of, of the Lord being spoke through Paul here. He, and he says, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Man, some of us... Um, I remember I used to struggle with this when I first got saved. It was kind of like, man, do I, like, I had these friends. They were worldly friends. Like, I was a worldly person. And then it was like, man, are these supposed to still be my friends, like, after I've gotten born again? Like, I kind of went through this confusing transition with, like, the people I was surrounding myself with, you know? It was kind of like, man, I got this good high school buddy, you know? But, dude, he just smokes weed and drinks beer and chases girls all the time. Like, yeah, can I, lo can I still love him and be his friend? Yes, but... Do I need to be going to the bars with him and stuff? Like, probably not, right? So like my relationship in orientation to this friend started to change. My love for him didn't. In fact, my love for him exponentially grew because I saw myself in him and I was like, oh my God, I used to be like that and God's changed me. So I actually loved him more than I even did before, but I actually had to spend a lot less time with him because I just was a new creation. Like the things that he was engaged in were not the things that I should be engaged in and it created a little tension. And that's okay. You gotta live in that tension, man. Like you, you gotta uh, learn to know that we are not of this world. We're called to live in the world, but not of the world. And that's a fine balance. We have to play that. So um, prepare yourself for like who you're around. Paul is saying, man, surround yourself with people that you want to be like spiritually, and your life will be fruitful. Verse 18, for as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, Paul is preaching and, and writing this with as much passion as he can. He says, even with tears, guys, many live as the enemies of the cross of Christ. We gotta know that, man. That like this, I think that the church as a whole is blinded by the spiritual forces at work behind what's going on in the world, right? It's like you have the spirit of God and the spirit of darkness. You have the living God who is found in Christ Jesus and Satan, right? You have angelic uh, powers that are angels that are divinely created by God and they move about the earth and the atmosphere by God's holy design and they do everything that he asked them to do, right? Angels are different than people. And, but there are demonic angels, right? There are fallen angels. There are demonic spirits out there. And they work in facilitation with Satan's evil purpose. Like, you've got to know, man, that you're at war. You are at war, okay? It's like, I hear a lot of um, Christians, like, murmuring about their problems and about their struggles and failures and weaknesses. And that's okay to have those. I've got them too. I've got a long list of them. But you can't, like, identify with that like you can't let that shape your identity and that's kind of what Paul's saying about the past dude like like brother Bob Hussein would say man you gotta chuck it to the rear you gotta get that stuff behind you it's this it's only gonna drag you down but you have to know that you are at war with a real enemy so if you're feeling like a failure and a loser and you're letting God down and blah 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 you're literally getting two-pieced by Satan and you gotta stand up for yourself make war identify with Christ Jesus See what the scriptures say about who you are and who he is and press on, press on toward the upward call of God. He said, because there's a lot of people living like enemies as to the cross of Christ. Their destiny, listen to how he describes people that aren't living for God. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. 
but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Man, what a promise, right? All through the book of Philippians, Paul gives us these indicators of the glorious day of the Lord, of this time where we no longer are bound in the bodies that we reside in, these, these, these uh, temporary tents that we dwell in, right? And we literally are as he is when God glorifies us in heavenly form, right? And so we will, there, um, we will literally, that's what Paul says, like when he's called me heavenward in Christ, like our eyes and our mind are to be set upon the things of God. We're to be thinking about the Lord. We're to be asking ourselves, what does he want of us? How can we live for him? How can we reach people? How can we mature in our walk? Not perfectly, right? Paul reminds us of that, not perfectly, but the pursuit is important. But don't, like, don't act like the evildoers where their, their glory is in their shame and their God is their stomach, right? Their own desires are what motivate them, not the desires of the Lord. And he says, verse, I'm sorry, chapter four, verse one, therefore, right? My brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, Stand firm in the Lord in this way. What I love is, man, Paul loved the church. He loved the church. When you grow and mature in Christ and you start to try to honor the Lord and you feel like you're, you're drawing near to him and you're being renewed day by day by the Spirit of God, it's easy to look at the church and get frustrated because you're like, man, dude, the church is so broken, you know? But Paul's saying, man, don't let that slow you down. Like, you, you, you can, don't, don't allow yourself to slide into a judgmental frame of mind. Like, the, the, you, yes, we're to hold our brothers and sisters accountable compared to the lost, right? We're supposed to love the lost unconditionally. But we're supposed to love uh, the, the church, but with a level of accountability, right? We can lean on our brothers and sisters. Iron sharpens iron, right? But we can't let the brokenness of the church discourage us from ministry, the church is super broken, man, like everywhere, uh, worldwide, because it's full of broken people, and I contribute to that, right? So we can't let that get us down from moving forward with what the Lord has for us. That's why he says, stand firm in the Lord, my dear friends. I plead with Udiah, and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord, right? He's seeking unity, same mind, same Lord, same faith. Like there's one gospel, there's one word of God, there's one, sec, there's one uh, spectrum of truth and it's found between these pages, right? He's saying, if you're resting here, you're on solid ground. He said, yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they've contended at my side with the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my coworkers, whose names are written in the book of life, man. He's, he's just glorifying um, or uh, celebrating the people that have shared with him in the gospel, man. It's like his dear friends, right? Their names are written in the book of life. It's like I can look at Brother Jimmy or, or I can look at Mike or Jeffrey or anybody else in this room and go, man, you boys are written in the book of life. Isn't that incredible? Like literally, like when, when the Lord opens the, op opens the scroll, right? And like the, he turns the pages, man. He's like, yep, Holbrook. Yep, Vaughn. You know, isn't that awesome? And uh, so Paul's just saying, man, what, what a glorious thing. Rejoice in the Lord always. Paul's writing from prison, right? And here again, for the, at least the fifth time in the book of Philippians, he says, rejoice in the Lord 
Always, not sometimes, not when you feel like it, always. I'll say it again, right? Remember what he said last time? It's good for me to repeat things. <laughs> Here it is again. I remind you, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Man, the Lord is near. That's a promise. Sometimes God can feel so far from me. Like, it's in, whether it's in my brokenness or in my challenges in life, maybe it's something that happened uh, to me or a loved one, um, or, 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 what, or maybe it's a story that I heard about somebody's brokenness in their life. And I'm like, man, that God just feels so far. He's not. He's so near. God is near to the lost. He's near to the hurting. He's near to the joyful. He's near to the glad. He's near to the saved, near to the unsaved. The unsaved just don't know it. <laughs> but that's our job to tell them that he is, right? The Lord is near. He's sovereign over all. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. He's God. We must be reminded he is near. In light of that, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Very famous verse, very popular verse, but may we not water it down because we've read it a million times. This is important, guys. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Anybody guilty? Like, I was literally anxious this morning. <laughs> I was anxious yesterday and all of last week. For my entire life, I've been anxious about something, right? And so I hope that as, I, as Paul modeled for us what it's like to follow Jesus, I hope you guys appreciate it. I'm following by Paul by saying, yeah, I'm super guilty. But it's, it, this isn't a commandment in the sense that like, if, if you do get anxious, God's like, whack, right? Like we talked about last week, like God's like the whack-a-mole, right? It's like, oh, he's anxious, you know? No, man, he, know, he knows us, like he, he is with us, he is near to us. But he, what, it, what Paul is saying here is like, there's no need for it. Like it happens, but there's, there's not a need for it. Anxiety is actually just an indicator of, of something else going on in our heart or what God is trying to show us, right? Maybe our... Our hopes and dreams are, are, are different from that of the Lord's design in our life. And when we're pursuing these things over here, God creates anxiety for us to bring us back to him, right? The, the, the way, the truth, and the life is Jesus, man. He's not just the truth. He's not just the life. He's also the way. And we must follow him. Narrow is the path that leads to eternal life. Narrow is small. In fact, Jesus said, few find it. Most people, are want, they're all over the place. And I'm, I'm like that. But I thank God that he's put his spirit in me that he does kind of shoo me in when I'm out of bounds. And if it takes anxiety to do that, praise the Lord. And man, that's hurt my heart so many times to get to that place where I can actually say that with confidence and a smile. I, got, I was at a point in my life so bad in Arkansas where anxiety had ridden my life so bad, I went to the emergency room three different times. I pulled my car over on the side of the road in a highway in Conway, Arkansas. I ran down the state highway in slacks and a dress suit because I was so freaked out. I was so nervous and anxious and stressed about the conditions in my life. I wasn't trusting the Lord. And, but I praise God for that moment because it, it, it's led me to the point where I realized, man, God is so good to, to keep me on the way, keep me on the path. And sometimes, man, he's got to get our attention. And anxiety is one of those things. It hurts. It sucks. It's really difficult when it's happening. 
but you gotta let the Lord shape you and, and push you back in, man. You gotta feel that tension and embrace it and let him help you. Don't be anxious, but in every situation, so no matter what it is, whether it's family, whether it's work, whether it's health, whether it's friendships, whether it's marriage, it doesn't matter. God wants to be a part of every area of your life. So seek him through prayer and petition, man. Ask the Lord for what you need. He is good to give it to you. If it's inside his will, it's gonna happen. And he doesn't will that you fall apart. He doesn't will that your life turns into a disaster. He doesn't will that you're such a head case you can't keep your thoughts straight. He wills, his intentions for you are good, man. The scripture's so clear on that. So let him show you, ask him what you need and give him thanks. Give him thanks for what's going on in your life, man. I was so grateful yesterday I was coming home from uh, the boys and I, we got a new puppy dog, man. We're like super jacked up, man. She's so cute, man. 16 week old little Willow. Willow, she's a yellow lab. Man, I'm pumped about her. And I, so I went to go see her. She's at, the, she's at the trainer. I need help training a dog. And I was driving home with the boys. And I had scrolled through a little bit of a Facebook. I had a little 10-minute waste of my life, 10-minute thread. And I noticed on there, you know, people are like, this is a little graphic, but it was true. There was literally like a guy like taking a dump on some other guy, and he was like, this is what 2020 feels like, <laughs> you know? And it's like, everybody's talking about how terrible 2020 has been, right? Oh God, it's the year of the devil, right? It's the worst year. 2020 is just taking a dump on everybody, right? And, and I was driving down the road, and the Lord's like, no, man, that is so worldly, dude. He's like, man, like, I have blessed your business. I'm blessing the church. I've blessed discipleship. I've put a lovely wife in your life. I got, you got four kids. Dude, you just bought your first farm, man. Like, you've got friends. You got people that love you. Your family's healthy. Your dad came to visit. I mean, just the Lord was nailing me for like an hour straight. Like, dude, you are blessed, man. Do not listen to that crap, man. It is bogus. 2020, honestly, the Lord showed me, it's like been one of the best years of my life. Like, man, God is so good and the devil is just such a loser to like use these platforms to break and tear us down. It's foolish, man. We gotta be careful uh, about that stuff. And he says, uh, um, and let the peace of God, right? The peace of God, which transcends or passes all understanding. We don't understand the peace of God. We don't, man. It's a supernatural thing. When the peace of God washes over us, it's something that can't be described. It can only be experienced. And so um, it's a great indicator that you are, you are in Christ when that happens. When the good news of God comes over your life, maybe, it, maybe it's a verse that you, that you come into that meets you and hits the heart in the right spot. Maybe it's a phone call to a friend that gives you some good counsel. Maybe it's, maybe it's a call back home to talk to mom and hear that she's healthy or dad or whatever it is. It's like, man, um, the peace of God, it just passes our, we, we can't understand what God is doing, but we have to know and trust in him. And he'll guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Guarding your heart, keeping you from your heart getting sour towards the things of the Lord and, and loving the world, but also your mind, man, that is so important. Anxiety is a, just a destroyer of the mind. That's all it is. It's just, a, it, it's an imp implantation of lies and false things that create anxiety that can manifest even physically, right? 
But it's, he, it's a promise that when we pray to the Lord, we trust in him, we make petition, and we give thanks that the peace of God will transcend even our own understanding, and he will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Man, what, a, what an incredible promise from God. we got to rest in that. Finally, brothers and sisters, listen to this. Paul says, whatever is true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Think about these things, man. Like, I love that. It's like, a, it's like a, um, a, a triumphant type writing where he just says, look, guys, the world is full of junk. And like, think about the good things. And like, that's kind of the experience that I had yesterday with the Lord driving home from the dog trainer. It's like, the Lord's like, no, bro. Like, think about these things, man. Like your wife and your kids and your job and your church. And like, dude, these things are awesome, man. Like, think about these things. Like, quit worrying about, like, the, you know, the voting polls or whatever. It's like, I'm not saying don't vote. I'm just saying, like, don't get too consumed. And the, if these things that you're thinking about and spending time doing are tearing you down, they got to go. Think about the things that are uplifting and are God-honoring. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, right? Again, follow me as I follow Christ, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord at last. You renewed your concern for me. He's, he's, he's going to preach here about, the, he's going to remind us that the Philippian church was over the top generous to the Apostle Paul. He says, um, Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. And like, what he's saying is, I was all the way in Rome, and you guys were all the way back in Philippi. It was kind of hard for you to minister to me. I'm literally like all the way across the sea, right? He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, though. He says, listen to this, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. It ties directly to anxiety, man. Anxiety happens when we're discontent. It, this is what happens. We're discontent with our circumstances or what's going on in our life, and we become anxious. It's like Paul says, man, in my maturity, he says, I've, I've grown in this, but I've learned. It's, a, it's an established behavior, right? It's like training a dog. I'm trying to train Willow to go find shed antlers, right? She doesn't just come out being a puppy and go fetch all the antlers. It's a learned behavior. It takes reinforcement, training, that's what we are all in. We're in training. We're disciples in training, right? And he says, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances, not in good circumstances, not in bad, whatever the circumstances. He said, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. Paul's like, I've been rich, and I've been poor, and I've, been con I've, I've learned to be content regardless. He said, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether I'm well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want. I can do all of this through him who gives me strength, right? All the versions say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? A very uplifting verse. But he says, what can he do? Be content. That's what he's specifically referring to. He says, I can do these things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not, I think that the, the, the version of I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's like, I can jump off a bridge with no rope through Christ who, no. That's stupid, right? It's I can do these things. I can do all of this. What's all of this? What he just described to us. I can be content in my circumstances, through Christ who strengthens me. That's really important. He says, and yes, 
It was good of you to share in my troubles, man. The Philippian church shared in the burden that Paul was carrying. Jesus also preached the same message. We are to carry each other's burdens. We are to hurt for those who are hurting, right? Moreover, you Philippians know in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, like when you first got saved, when I set out from Macedonia, listen to this, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you alone. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent aid, uh, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Man, isn't that amazing? Paul said, I was, Paul was going out planting churches, preaching the gospel, raising people from dead to life, right? Spiritually speaking. Um, and he says, <coughs> excuse me, allergies. He said, not COVID. He said, uh, um, that, uh, he said that not, not one single church like helped me. Not one single church except for you alone actually partnered with me in the sharing of the gospel. Isn't that crazy? Like, dude, are you partnering with Jesus in the sharing of the gospel? Or are you just like a planted, you know, or are you just born again but not partaking in anything? You're not sharing in it. You're not actually engaged in the ministry of Jesus. It's interesting that he says, so he praises them for getting in the game. He praises them for their support. It's funny that he says, even when I was in Thessalonica, there was a church in Thessalonica, and Paul was at a need, and it wasn't being met. And literally the church of Philippi had to supply the need from a distance. Isn't that crazy? It's like there's some people where the opportunity is right in front of them, and they don't even see it. Be looking. He says, not that I desire your gifts. Paul said, it's not about the gifts. It's not about the gifts, Right? But what I desire is that it, it more be credited to your account, right? It's like when you follow Jesus or, and you partake in the service of God to reach people for the gospel, it's not for me. It's for you and the Lord. It's like, it's, it's that, like when you raise up and do what God has asked you to do, I just cheer you on and pray that God would bless and honor you as you're blessing and honoring him. This reciprocating relationship. As you're taking hold of God because he's took hold of you, you're doing what he's asked you to do, and you're blessed. And God is crediting that to your account. Like literally, like you're building up a spiritual bank account. Those who will be faithful on earth will be faithful in the kingdom. That's how it works, man. God is testing our faithfulness. Like if you can't, like he's faithful with little, will be faithful with much, right? If you're, faithful with, if you're not faithful with little, you're not gonna be receiving much. And that's what Paul is saying. Hey, if you're faithful in these little things, like Epaphroditus, right? This dude was sent all the way from Philippi to Rome to deliver a gift to Paul all the way across the sea, risked his life. It said he almost died. Risked his life, man. And like, like that kind of service, man. I mean, somebody could have said, oh, you know, surely God could, like, surely the supernatural God could send a gift from Rome to Paul. It's like Epaphroditus was like, no, man. He, God called me to do this, and I'm going to go do it. I'm going to get the job done, right? And that's the kind of spirit that he wants us to have. He says in verse 14, yet it was good for you to share in my troubles. More, oh, oh wait, I'm sorry. Um, not that I did. Verse 18, excuse me. I've received full payment and have more than enough. Paul says, man, look, whether you guys send the gifts or not, I've got enough. God is my provider. 
He says, I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent, right? He is fully supplied in every way, and so are we. We are fully supplied in every way. God is, in fact, providing for you, whether you believe it or not, whether your bank account reflects it or not. God is providing for you. He says these offerings, right, these, th- these gifts that were sent, though, they're a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice and pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Do you realize God is completely abundant in resources? He is limitless in his resources. Do I realize that? Like God has no end to his bank account. God has no end to his, uh, the things that he's capable of doing. We gotta be reminded of that. I do. Sometimes, I, sometimes in my, my flesh, I can shrink God. You know, like, oh, God ran out of money. You know, it's like, no, wait. I have to reshape my mind. I gotta think heavenly and not earthly. To our God and Father, be glory forever and ever, amen. Greet all of God's people in Christ Jesus. Be hospitable, right? Greet all of God's people, man. Love the church. The brothers and sisters who are with me, send greetings. All of God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. I'll invite the band up at this time as we close this service. And um, I just want to close out uh, the book of Philippians, man, with a few statements um, or just a few thoughts, man. Like, this has been such an encouraging book to preach out of. Like, we're in some weird times as, as people, like as humans. We're in even more weird times as a church. Like, man, this just... These are bizarre times, man. I mean, these are like kind of uh, events of biblical uh, proportion here. We're living in very odd days. But it's so um, encouraging to know Paul was ministering so effectively even from prison. So like if you're feeling like, oh, man, this COVID thing's really imprisoning, right? It's like, well, Paul was in prison, and he was super effective in ministry. Paul's heart was for Jesus, whether he had a mask on or a jumpsuit or in chains. It didn't matter. His heart was set on the things of God. And he was, he was walking out as a man called of the Lord. He wasn't looking to his circumstances to determine whether he was blessed or not. He wasn't looking at his environment and letting that shape his attitude. He was looking to the scriptures. He was looking to the Lord Jesus. He was looking at his proper identity shaped in Christ. That he was a born again, child of the living God, called of the Lord to to move about the gospel across the earth, right? And may that be our, may that be our, our attitude, our heart condition. May that be our, uh, the, may that be the joy of our heart. Like, would it, would it bring us great joy? Like, for me, even standing up here preaching, it's a tremendous privilege, man. It is a tremendous privilege. Like, I am so unworthy to hold a holy book, the word of God, and bring it to you like, and be a vessel for the Spirit of God. That's so unworthy to do that. But God's good to just use me in that. And if I'm willing to show up, he, he, he will prove himself faithful every time. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.